Blog Talk Radio. All right, all right, all right. How's it going, everyone? Good evening. Welcome to the end within. We're back once again. Uh, Blog Talk Radio, as usual, is still doing some hokey stuff. Try to get my chat room up and going, so, you know, it may or may not work, so we'll see if you encounter any issues, whatever. Okay, I'll close this out here, and let's see. Just a minute. Is I going to do it? Is I going to do it? Anyway, what I'll do is go ahead. Go, we'll go to Brent, our man on town, Texas. What's going on, Brent? Hey, Mike. How's it going, buddy? You doing okay? Yeah, we're doing all right. I was uh, trying to get the chat up running, but, uh, of course, it tells me you've got to install Flash. It's like, I mean, damn town, she have to install Flash. Right. But, uh, anyway, it is up and working now, so uh, we'll see. You know what happens from here. So, if anybody wishes to join us on chat, please go ahead and do so. If anybody wishes to call in, please go ahead and do so. Uh, call in numbers three four seven two zero two zero four zero seven. So, be glad to hear from you. Uh, no, same old, same old here. You know the the caveat on the uh, you know of course on the uh, uh screen tonight, or at least on the uh, information as far as what we are going to discuss was a little bit dismal, but, uh, I'm, you know, I'm getting very to the point where, you know, hey, we're here, what the hell? (laughs) You know, it's like... Yeah, I uh, I understand. Whatever happens, happens. And for those who aren't with us by now, man, you know, you're not going to be with us. And all you can do is uh, ride this train in whatever boxcar you're on. So, uh, you know, it's like, uh, you know, according to the Lakota, you know, Hoka, hey, it's a good day to die. Uh, But, uh, you know, it's one of those things like, we have tried to tell people ISIS was, uh, you know, within the United States, was on our borders, and every damn, you know, less than two weeks later, what do we have? We have supposedly, you know, ISIS taking claim for an attack, which doubtfully was ISIS. If it was, they sure, you know, need to tune their shooters a little bit better to be taken out by a cop with a firearm, a handgun at that. Uh you know, they being they had uh, two AK-47s. They got taken down by a police officer with a handgun. Uh, you know, kudos to the police officer. You know, and I'm glad he took those bastards out. But uh, you know, it's it's like everything we have been telling you up to this point is happens in then some. Uh, on a domestic front, on an international front, on an economic front, it's like 
what else can we tell you that you know you don't understand or you may not believe by now uh for those who may have doubts, I mean, you can go back and, you know, the track record's there. All you got to do is listen to the last four or three years of the show. You'll hear it, hear every bit of it. Uh, we've been saying it. And, you know, even um, as far as Turkey and Kazakhstan, you know, that, we got to a specific time that Turkey and Kazakhstan would come into the picture and, you know, they are coming into the picture on the economic front. Uh, Kazakhstan in particularly, you know, with the State Department and uh, looks like negotiations with Kerry. Looks like, uh, of course, we've always had kind of under-the-radar negotiations and chats with Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan is a very, you know, low-key forerunner on the economic front uh, within the uh, Russian-Soviet bloc, and now under the Russian bloc. Believe me, they're still there, you know, still very much Soviet, as uh, we're, we're seeing. Now, one thing that, you know, gives me some unrest is Putin has been relatively quiet. I haven't been hearing much going on with Putin. I would rather him be shaking the cages as opposed to not shaking uh, the cages. And as far as ISIS, well, ISIS is just as diabolical as they've ever been. And then some, you know, last report I heard they killed uh, 600 and some odd Christians. I I don't even know if we can keep count of the number of Christians that that they've killed by now, you know. And, you know, of course, we're still worried about, uh, you know, Baltimore. I, I hear talk about the... Masonic police, whatever the hell that is, you know. I never, you know, I've been a Freemason for years. I don't know what the hell the Masonic police is. Uh, to me, that seems know, like a, a almost like a made-up name for the group. You know, Kamala Harris. Was, she was in line for department for uh, Attorney General, head of the DOJ, and uh, I don't know if this, you know, they're going to check it. They're going to check under every nick and cranny of your life and so my guess is uh that the obama administration knew about this thing uh, they dug it up and that's why she didn't get that job knew it might come out but that that name just doesn't make sense at all to me well see uh I don't know. well deb stevenson asked me to make a comment in regard to it, which i did in uh the you know Prince Hall Freemasonry, which is, you know, more or less the black chapter of Freemasonry, they're kind of a, you know, they were never uh, recognized by, uh, you know, the Masonic chapters, per se. Uh, 
I don't know if they ever became recognized in each and each individual state has their own Masonic uh charters. So uh you know, if Prince Hall, which Prince Hall uh, Freemasonries are are uh recognized for state, I couldn't tell you, but I can tell you this, chances are that is a spawn off spun from some Prince Hall Lodge somewhere, because uh, you'll you'll very rarely ever see uh, anyone but blacks, you know, uh, who are Masons in Prince Hall. So chances are that some spun off uh, whatever you want. I don't know. They may not even be Freemasons at all. They may just have came above with that name out of their rectum. I, you know, I don't know, but uh, there is no such thing as far as Masonic police, you know. Uh, so, you know, and most of this crap you're hearing about uh, Baltimore, you know, uh, it's idiocy. It's, you know, and Al Sharpton, for instance, one of the things that gave me, the, you know, shivers down my spine was hearing that Sharpton and others uh, start hitting at a DOJ-controlled police department. Right. Federally-controlled police department, which, of course, that's exactly what Obama had called for, if you remember before. He was elected. Uh, He had called for a wanted a uh, equally funded, uh, equally trained, equally skilled uh, civilian police force equal to that of our military. And, of course, what have we been doing over the years uh, with our, our DOJ and our military as far as we have been passing out hardware to our civilian cops? In, I am sure, cherry-picked cities, which were likely to have uh, civil unrest based on some racist or uh, race act. Believe me, these things are all of them are set up. They're targeted. Every one of them. Every incident in Baltimore was targeted. I can assure you. uh, Chicago is targeted. I can assure you, from for now or for some later action, uh, St. Louis was targeted. I can assure you, uh, Oakland will probably be targeted. I can assure you, for some future action, uh, yeah, that's some place. That's weird that you said that. I, Oakland's been my. I've been wondering. I think they've done a little bit in Oakland, but not very much. But when this first happened, I told a coworker. I said, I'm. I'm uh, I said, I'm guessing Oakland's going to be one of the next cities. Now, I know there was a little bit of one, you know, as far as uprising. Uh, but, yeah, that's I'm with you on that one. They seem to always come out of the woodwork. Well, it, it, it's going to have to involve, you know, something dealing with the authorities, uh, the police, or it's going to have to deal with something racial. Obviously, that's what the the card they're going to play from here on out is going to be racial. We can, 
you know, that's that's their their motive. That's or the, rather their method of operation, their MO. Uh, I mean, the playbook pretty much speaks for itself now. We know how this thing's going to play out for the next two years. And, you know, and why people can't see and understand it, uh, you know, on the opposite side of the fence. And, you know, again, I have to agree with Beck. We can't uh, we can't look at interests. we got to look at principles. Do we have the same principles here, you know, between the left? I mean, as far as what we hold dear, family, you know, friends, it doesn't matter. We've got more in common than we don't, I can assure you. Uh, but, of course, the emphasis is going to be placed on those things in which we differ in order to keep the divide going. And that's what's going to have to exist in order for uh, this republic to further and further tear itself apart. And, you know, how much more it can take I don't know. You know, the, the Constitution is being tested in 40 different ways, uh, side, down, crossways, diagonally, you name it. It's being stretched and and withered and, and you know, and the Republicans, you know, to me, you're about as worthless as uh, the church in many regards and I don't mean that badly you know about the church in, 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 you know in a negative way but you, maybe I do because the church where have you been man I mean where are you at <laughs> you know it's like uh, the church is like out to lunch with all this stuff going on it's there's like you know you should be out on the streets and uh, trying to make peace and bring peace to this land and praying for our brothers and sisters out there who you know are not on a righteous path and you're not doing it because either you've sold out you've played Judas and sold out or uh, something going on with it. Who knows? But, you know, we don't have that much time. Uh, we're headed toward uh, basically an economic train wreck. And uh, I noticed that uh, Carol had posted, you know, several thousands of layoffs, I see, Caterpillar's laying off uh, several hundred. Who else was it? DuPont's laying off uh, several thousand. And, of course, if you look at them by industry, uh, DuPont is mostly plastics and resins, you know, or plastics or plastic or uh, some sort of, resin thereof, uh, polymer. But anyway, they're what they primarily use is petroleum-based products to make these plastics, these polymers. 
so what does that tell you? Is that uh, the use of petroleum is going to go down? So, uh, or either uh, supply is going to become ratcheted up and the demand for goods is going to be ratcheted down. So, in other words, we're going to have some sort of play out there in terms of petroleum. My guess is uh, it's the petrol dollar. You know, everything comes back to the petrol dollar as far as, you know, gas, uh, as far as dollars being used for the purchase of oil and the countries using those dollars for the purchase of oil. And remember, every country has used the dollar since World War II, but that is beginning to change, uh, you know, probably, I would say, quick more quickly than we would wish. Uh, and when that does change completely, uh, the, the cradle will fall in terms of our economy because we cannot uh, live with all this cash that we've put into the system. The U.S. Treasury, uh, in combination with the Federal Reserve, you know, have created probably worse than any World War II war crime or any war crime in the history of the world as far as you know, what they have pulled. And it won't be realized probably at least for a decade or better exactly how we have been uh, ripped off as a nation or ripped off as a global economy uh, in, for some time and how this was uh, basically used to uh, manipulate and orchestrate us into the global Fabian socialist, you know, utopia of a one-world uh, economy. And, you know, which, of course, would, that is, you know, if you're a central banker, I mean, if you want to have... I mean, basically, uh, you know, your your big sexual hoopla or whatever. What what better than you know rolling around and doing it in your dollars <laughs> or, or your world currency, I suppose. But it's you know it's unreal. But the thing is. You, you you can't explain it, but you can try to explain it. You can draw pictures for them. You can show documents. You can put pictures up there. You can do anything you want to, but, you know, there are still those that they are not going to pay you any attention. They're, they're going to put their nose and their, or their head in the sand and... Pretend like you know everything's a utopia, and it's believe me, it's, it's much easier to do that. But if you've got children, and you have or hope to have grandchildren, you don't want to put what's coming on them. I mean, they're not prepared for it. being. You're not prepared for it. They're certainly not prepared for it. 
you see, it's 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 going to be a generational thing, and uh, you know, you're going to only make their lives more miserable by not waking up to it now. And I don't know, you know, why we can't get this across to people, and how you know exactly what it's going to take. I guess it's just going to have to happen, and then people start seeking help, but then everybody's going to be running for their own lifeboat at that point, and you know, your ability to find help may be uh, you know uh, you may have to depend on Guido down there on the corner selling Rolexes to see if he can come up and help you (laughs) because believe me, that's going to be a, a great opportunity for those you know, who are, who are uh, may have rather ill intent to take advantage of those who uh, are looking for some anything, something of hope, uh, something to hang on to, or purchase goods. You know, or in hopes of purchasing goods. You know, in other words, desperation. That's the word I guess I'm trying to use. Is uh, the desperation that's going to be taking place at that point. And, you know, I can sense it. I'm, I can see it, and I know what it is. And it, it frightens me for those who... All I can picture is, you know, the, the Titanic and the moments before it began to sink and everyone's trying to get topside as the water's coming into the, you know the uh, lower floors and, you know, you keep climbing up and as you keep climbing up, the water keeps coming in and, you know, then it becomes to to a question, are you going to be able to make it to uh, topside before the water comes in completely? And, you know, I can't answer that. I know... Uh, Texas, if there's one state I feel very optimistic about, actually several states I feel very optimistic about, is Texas, uh, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, uh, Georgia, Florida, I don't think so, uh, South Carolina, North Carolina, North Carolina maybe, Virginia, maybe, but, uh, well, no, Virginia, I'll strike Virginia. Only a portion of Virginia may make it. West Virginia, they may make it. But uh, the rest of the country, I just really don't think that you're going to have it. Number one, because uh, the... Democrat, or I'm not going to say Democrat, the liberal to conservative ratio. You know, let's look at it that way. Uh, If you've got gun control, or if you do not have very, uh, you know, as far as liberal uh, laws within your, I I won't even say that. That's a bad thing to say. In other words, if you don't have uh, conservatives or conservative ideas and approaches toward guns and gun control, then you know, this is not going to play out well for you. You know, those states which do 
have, uh, you know, conservative gun control and has gun rights for those individuals, uh, open carry, uh, concealed carry, and in uh, laws in which, uh, you know, in other words, no matter what the federal federal federalities say, the state's going to reign supreme, like Texas, uh, they'll be fine. Just like this last incident with uh, Garland, they'll be fine. You know, uh, Pam Geller, if you if you don't live in Texas, I would advise you to move to Texas. <laughs> and. And we heard anything, you know, last I heard is that she still gets slammed by the liberal media pretty much about that whole uh, escapade. Have uh, you heard any anything else about her, Brent? Oh, sorry. I was trying to get onto the chat. <clears throat> um, man, I've just, I've probably heard the same stuff that you have. I know she's been making the rounds on different talk shows yeah. and... Basically, she's getting no help from anybody as far as her being protected. And she's pretty much on her own is what it sounds like to me. Um, I don't know that. Yeah, it's a good idea. She might want to move to Texas. Uh, she doesn't need to be around any of those northern states. It sounds like she's from up north. She has kind of that uh, New York accent. But I don't know where, well, she, where she lives now. Um, but man, she needs to watch out. There's some crazy people out there. And so I, I hope she's able, I'm, I'm not sure what her financial situation's like. Um, you know, I hope she's able to afford some protection. Well, that's what she, I heard um, some segment where she says she does have personal protection to what extent. I don't know. But, uh, you know, like you said and what I said is that she may want to consider, uh, you know, immensely as far as uh, relocating to the state of Texas or uh, at least some southeast uh, state, some state in the southeast, uh, you know, and if uh, things go to hell in a handbag, if I wouldn't mind seeing one big Texas to Louisiana, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, uh, let's see, Tennessee, oh yeah, I forgot Tennessee a while ago, Kentucky, uh, basically see one big state consisting of those guys. Arizona, I'm not, I'm not sure about you yet. You, you know, you're too close to California and you waver too much, you know, on some things. It's, I still haven't decided on Arizona and, uh, Texas, I definitely want Texas in my state. Or at least, you know, as part of my state. Uh, you know, let's see, who else? Uh, Kentucky, Missouri, you're out. Missouri's out, definitely. Uh, no way in hell I'm going to put Missouri in there. So we need to draw lines. You know, like we did, it, you know, Barack Obama does with his basketball charts. Uh, we need to do our state charts the ones that we want to include in the new republic. <laughs> what yeah, what thing goes? It what? may get to that. It may get to that, you know. It, it's Well, uh, it's, I mean, I sure as hell don't enjoy New York New York state with all their electoral votes. 
uh, you know, going Democrat to every damn time there's a presidential election. And there are a bunch of idiots up there who have really no idea. You know, and I'm not talking about upstate New York. There's some good people up there. But as far as your, your immediate New York City area, uh, nothing but, you know, unions. Then you have Wall Street, which tends to go Democrat. That's often, uh, you know, misunderstood by the by the liberals is they don't understand that Wall Street really is in more cahoots with the Democrats than they are the Republican Party. And uh, it's, it's yeah, well, that's a lot of electoral votes every single election. You know, not, they don't represent. I'm the point where I don't give a shit what happens in New York. You know, as far as the city itself. <laughs> Well, I, I care deeply back in 2001, you know, but now, God dang, man, you know, if, you are, if they're going to keep making the same decisions, you know, as far as who they want to lead their state and their country, then, uh, man, ain't nothing I can do for you, man. Well, they that's just it. They keep making the same mistakes over and over and over and over again, and it gets to the point, you know, uh, it's just like having you know, that... that uh, you know, a a cousin that uh, after a while they keep making the same mistakes over and over again, and they mm-hmm. borrow money from you time and time and time and time again, and still right. have nothing to show for it. And right. finally, you, you just say, "Hey, man, you know, hell with you. I, I've done all I can." You know, that's a great, great analogy, right there. Well, I mean, it's the best one I can think of in the South. I mean, I think we all can probably have to say we've got some of those. <laughs> I know. I, I could probably say I've had mine, you know. California, I, I, don't, know Cali- I don't know what California is going to do. I mean, they're, you know, they, they're claiming they're running out of water. Let me tell you, that's that, that's because years of making bad decisions. Because California, you go back way back when, before it was so populated, that was desert land. It wasn't, I mean, yeah, they had some some areas that were, you know, good soil for farmland things. But, but uh, you know, the, the old-timers are the ones that got that water to California. They worked their asses off for that water. And and now, uh, you, you don't have the people willing to do the work. And, you know, to, to make sure that the citizens have the water. And now, I mean, again... I just I don't. Well, it, I don't feel sorry for him either, and I tell you why I don't thing. feel sorry. For I don't feel sorry for him because number one, you know, every damn insect ever known to man, if it was even questionable as to whether or not it would, uh, if there were some left or might be, they may go extinct at some time in the future. Uh, basically, they would you know, raise up the stop sign on everything and, and you know, make room for the mosquito uh, because it's going potentially extinct in California. And they would basically close down the water supply for, uh, you know, to save the mosquito. And it, and if they've been that way for decades and idiotic liberal decisions and, you know, idiotic liberal follies and they deserve that in which they have dealt themselves. And, uh, you know, it's I'll just tell you, like, I'll tell you how much I'll tell you how much influence California has on, on our entire economy. Okay? Just giving my own, my own industry, which is the furniture industry. 
Okay, Lazy Boy. Uh, I, well, I shouldn't say my company's name on. But, well, I'm already done now. But okay, they're whenever they make decisions as far as uh, let's take fire retardant materials. Okay, there's no such thing as a fire retardant piece of furniture. Okay, just it just doesn't exist. Uh, people come in every so often. I'll get that question usually from some kind of a hippie, you know, type person. And uh, you know, I explain to them that that every Pretty much every furniture company out there, what they do is they take they take California's laws, which they want everything to be as fire retardant as possible, but you don't want to put this chemical in there because it might be considered a toxin. It's a big problem for a lot of companies. Now, I'm just talking about mine. And so what they'll do is if, you know, if the company is doing business all over the United States, possibly even Canada, uh, possibly Mexico, what they'll do is they'll go and take California's laws and place those in effect for their company because if they don't go by California law they can't do business in that in that state and that's a lot of that's a lot of money you know and so California's laws California any you know your furniture that you sit on every day is based on the California law for toxins and the companies in my opinion waste a whole lot of money trying to abide by one state's laws in order to make some money so they 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 hurt all of us. <clears throat> oh yeah, yeah, and it was the same uh, way for appliances too. Because I used to work uh, in manufacturing, and same was true with those appliances that they had. Uh, and these these were water heaters in particular. They were specified laws that they had to adhere to that were specifically California. Uh, these these heaters were they had to have certain tweaks made to them for whatever reason you know uh, California that were uh, and they had to be labeled as, as you know they were California certified heaters and they were in compliance with codes in California and like you say that cost that goes into making that heater or any other appliance for California rolls into every other product for every other state uh, because that's, say, that's simply how it works. I mean, it goes back into the overall cost of manufacturing. And, uh, you know, in California, has always, they've always been that way. They, it's like, uh, same way with petroleum. I mean, the the restrictions they have put on petroleum. That's why their gas prices are usually two dollars, three dollars higher than anyone else. Is simply because of the the regulations on petroleum. I mean, they have regulations on everything. I tell you that, whatever that's, they. I just thought about something else. We just got told the other day. I'm not going to say the name of the company, but it's it's a, a, one of those stain protection companies out there, and they make a fantastic property. It's I mean pro, um, <clears throat> product. It's petroleum based. You spray it on one time onto your fabric, and I'm telling you, this thing keeps this. I know there's some BS, you know, stain protections out there. This one actually works. But the cool thing is about it is because it's petroleum based, it doesn't evaporate. So. What and now due to some certain laws, they're going to have to go to a water-based protection. Okay, water evaporates over a period of time, 
and the customer is not. If they go and clean one area, they're not going to be able to reapply that stuff. You know, we don't keep applying it every time. You know, you can't just bring a chair in and get it sprayed again. It's a one-time deal. And so yeah. as of right now, uh, you can spray it once, get a five-year stain warranty. But if you've got that piece of furniture for 30 years, that stain protection is still going to be on that on that, uh, on that that piece of fabric. Now you're going to – the, the product is going to go down all because of California. Yeah. Well, so I mean, you know, well, it's uh, California, it's, they insist on standards that, I mean, you know, based on, uh, like you say, the 60s hippie movement and the environmental thing and, you know, loving their, and, you know, God, I'll tell you what, you know, it just brought something to mind. It's like watching Waters World and him going out to Berkeley and talking to these airheads in California. And, and, and I mean, they they are so stupid. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they're they're like, you know, I, I, I every so often I you know I get one of you know hippie type, and they're like, oh, I cannot be around anything, anything, any chemicals at all. I just can't do it, you know, and I just want to say, okay, do you have a bed at home? You know, do you have a mattress? Does it have chemicals in it? Do you have a blanket? Do you have sheets? Do you have a pillow? Everything has some kind of chemical, and so for these idiots to, you know, make the remark, I can't be around any chemicals, sorry to tell you this, man, but, you know, you are around chemicals all day, every day, and there's nothing you can do about it, you know? Yeah, unless you're living, uh, basically... Yeah, unless you're living like the uh, Alaskan bush people, uh, you know you're you're living with some sort of, uh, like you say, you're living with some sort of additive, uh, chemical, uh, you know, something that isn't native to. In other words, if if it if nature didn't totally create this thing, uh. If nature didn't shit out a couch, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, it didn't get uh, produced, uh, you know, out of thin air. <laughs> you know, but I think you know. I think about that sometimes. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I think love of America is is what you know. I've never been one of those let's secede Texans. I know they're out there, you know. But I've often wondered what it would be like if we were, you know, Texas was its own country. Okay, or maybe include tech, like you said, let's include Texas, Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia. Uh, you know, some some good, you know, conservative state. What would life be like? You know, without New York and without New Jersey and without California. And again, I'm not. I, I love this country. And and uh, you, have you been watching that uh, on American movie classics? That is called Turn Washington General Spies. It's oh yeah. Series. You know. Yeah. Well, you talk about, you know, and I, I know they're, I, I've read about George Washington. You know, I've read some books about him. So I know they're trying to be as true as they can to the real George Washington in that series. And, man, I just, what those what those guys went through to to develop this country, this country uh, just, it just amazes me. They went through hell, pure hell. Oh, hell. Yeah. You know, Turn, I would have to say, is uh, I would have to compare that up to uh, with John Adams as far as what I consider 
you know, as, as far as authenticity in that, that period. And believe me, I I won't say I know it well, but I've been around reactors who know that period like the back of their hand. And, I mean, they're, you know, they they'll point out if you've got one stitch of clothing representing that period that's out of whack or that's not true to the period. I mean, they'll call you out and turn, I mean, the, the, uh, the, I guess the, the attention to authenticity is remarkable in terms of the uniforms of the regulars and the continentals and the dragoons and, and, the Queen's Rangers. Now, the Queen's Rangers. I, I've got to look up. I, I didn't. I don't know much about the Queen's Rangers, but I have come uh, interested in them after seeing Turn. I mean, it's because of this series. I've become more interested in finding out more about them. Uh, apparently, they were Scotch or, or Irish. They appear to be more Scottish. Uh, with Rogers, of course, you know, uh, now I'm talking about characters out of the series and not real life, actually. But uh, I don't know his first name, Rogers, who's crazy old Scottish dude, man. He, he, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, oh yeah. Rogers, yeah, who, uh, the guy who brought in the uh, the uh, knife, it was, a, it was a Scottish knife, but uh, I didn't get the significance of it in the in last uh, the last episode this Monday. Did you get the significance of that? Why he was? I mean, did they have some commonality at one point? Well, did they you, you got to remember, you had the war. Um, you had the French and Indian War, and so and that guy's a, he's all about the money. Uh, he could really give a rat's ass about any country. And I'm assuming well, yeah, he was a mercenary. He probably, uh, I'm getting whenever George Washington saw that knife, he was like, "Oh yeah, let him in," you know. Uh, I'm assuming they they probably served together uh, in the French and Indian War at some point, you know. Uh, he might have been a, a a privateer type soldier, you know, back then. Uh, but I didn't. I'm just kind of taking a guess here. But there was kind of a smile on his face when he when he saw the knife, you know. Because they, what other war did they have? Yeah. They had war, they had French and Indian War prior to the American Revolution, and there was another war uh, that Washington was part of. But back, he was serving uh, the British uh, at that point in time, and uh, it's just not coming to me at this time. I, I can't remember. I know, like I said, the French and Indian War, and then after that, it, you know, it evades me. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, he had the privateers, so I imagine Rogers was a mercenary, like you were saying, that was fighting uh, probably with the French or, uh, or or with the British at that time, one or the other. Uh, and that's where Washington probably knew him. He had fought with him at some point. But, uh, you know, the, the, the guy that, plays Washington, I'd have to say, you know, based on what I read about Washington, as far as being very stoic and, you know, uh, very heavily 
mindful in terms of uh, you know very very intelligent and yeah. terms Seems like of, he's always a step he's always a step ahead of everybody else for the most part you know yeah he did make some mistakes here and there but he he always was able to look further out into the future than everybody else was is what I'm saying too yeah uh, it's going to be interesting you know, how they play uh, which I meant to go back and look about Saget, you know, as far as the actual history of Saget in terms of intelligence, military intelligence, and the birth of military intelligence. And because I know, uh, of course, Talmadge was his uh, understudy, and I guess Talmadge is going to take his place, you know, after, I'll tell you, you if you know, can if you can find it, something it's one of the most interesting uh, little sh- short stories I've ever read, and it's it's uh, where I work. Uh, they have all these old, just to have some books on tables. You know, uh, they still have like Reader's Digest short stories. You know, where you have like four stories in one book. Oh yeah, and write uh-huh. and write this, write this down. It's called uh, the Liberty Tavern, and it was in it was in New Jersey. And what it does is it documents, and I mean, to me, it sounds like it's true. You know, maybe it's a little fiction was thrown in here and there, but but it goes. It's a short story and doesn't take long to read it all. But it's about General Washington and his spying, and they operated out of a, a tavern. You know, the taverns were were big hubs back then, and that's how that you know they would you know get their messages to each other and introduce you know spies to each other, and a lot of intel was was uh, taken back to this tavern, and then given back to to George Washington. It's called the Liberty Tavern, but it's real interesting, man. It's uh, I, I couldn't put it down. Oh, I'll check it out. That, I mean, yeah, it was, it was probably written back in 1950-something, you know. Because, uh, you know, that, that would be, you know, if you think about it, because, I mean, the both the settlers and the Brits, I mean, the main thing, there's there put it this way, there wasn't much to do in the evening time, except uh, you didn't go home and watch TV. You went to the tavern and you know, you soaked, soaked up some mail or, or or whiskey and uh, then chances are you ran your mouth a little bit too much more than you should and, you know, what better way to get uh, intelligence than to wait for someone to run off at the mouth about something they shouldn't be saying <laughs> think about right. which yep. was how I mean literally they got their intelligence because somebody was talking about something they shouldn't be saying you know and uh, they would have someone sitting there writing notes or taking note of it and they would pass it on to uh, a, a spy or someone who you know find a genius way you know, like just as they do with the invisible ink, and then the uh, the egg, and uh, I don't know what. Yeah, well, the uh, using encryption, you know, with uh, the copper plate, and uh, you know, and the book thing. Uh, there were various ways they would do it, and then one of the probably most interesting stories, I think, you know. Beyond that period was the story of the Hunley, the C.S. Hunley in the Civil War. Are you familiar with that? The first submarine? 
Oh, uh, I know that I know they had a submarine. I'm not real familiar with Civil War stuff. I'm not, you know, real knowledgeable about. No, uh, I mean the well, <clears throat> very very few books I've read, you know, on the subject. Well, uh, back then, you know, they, they had those, uh, you know, the big old iron ships, the ironclads that. Uh, were nothing but huge ships made out of iron that the cannonballs were just designed to just hit, you know, just basically uh, ricochet off of them. And then they came up with the uh, first concept of the submarine, which uh, there were six, uh, let's see, they were Confederates. And, And so it was a Confederate, uh, the CS Hundley was a Confederate submarine that was designed in Mobile, Alabama, and then taken to Charleston, uh, South Carolina, and I can't remember what ship it well was, but it actually there were six missions that they did with the Hundley, and all five had failed up to that point. Uh, the sixth one was successful and sunk the ship, but uh, the submarine never made it back because uh, it took on water and and sunk, uh, you know, before they got back to uh, back to shore. And there's an interesting story about what they think had happened. That you know they opened the hatch to celebrate, you know, and shoot uh, fireworks up in the air or something, and then water started coming over the top and. Then eventually, you know, it just overwhelmed them, and then, you know, the just piece of lead sinking down to the bottom of uh, the river there. Well, it wasn't a river, it was a bay, but anyway, it, it's uh, it's very interesting. They just brought it up within the last 20 years, I think it was discovered, and they brought it up, and it was sitting in a abandoned naval base and, it, and uh, I don't know if it's still sitting there or not but uh, it was fascinating what they did it, everything was intact because it was full of mud They uh, all the remains of the soldiers were still there the, you know wow. uh, their personal belongings uh, your their uniforms you know I don't I'm, I'm, I'm assuming their uniforms were rather died uh, I don't think they were. Anyway, what they did with the remains, they did take them at, at uh, Charleston and then buried them in a Confederate cemetery they had there. And they were able to identify all the remains. And one of them was uh, Dixon, uh, Colonel Dixon. I know that. And which he had, his story was interesting. He had a coin which they found in the remains that. Uh, Interesting story about that, but I, I don't want to get too far off the subject. But uh, yeah, Turn Turn is a great miniseries. I mean, I I love. It. I mean, further it gets into it, the more I'm 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 addicted, you know, to watching it. I'm gonna be disappointed when it goes off again. You know, I don't know how long it's supposed to last. How many seasons they're gonna have of it, but. Uh, it's a great show. I encourage anyone, if you're a student of history, to catch it on AMC. I mean, AMC puts out some of the best 
productions, and Turn happens to be rather historical and historically accurate, as far as I can tell. I haven't heard anybody say differently, but uh, you know that is yeah, a great. My, my wife, even, my wife even likes it, and I'll tell you right now, my wife doesn't want anything to do with politics. Uh, she could care less about anything. Uh, you know, you know, she's all about. Uh, the voice and American Idol and, you know, just, you know, inter- she likes to be entertained with, you know, she likes girly things. But, man, I, you know, I told her I had, that I'd watched what had happened was I had the day off. I'd heard about this series, and I didn't I didn't hear about it last year. I never, I never watched it, and all I heard was, hey, it's season two of Turn. And I'm thinking, well, how did I not hear about this, you know? And uh, so on, it was like a Wednesday, and they had the whole season one. It was like a marathon. And I didn't really have a whole lot to do on my day off, so I just sat there and just watched the whole season one, you know. And that night was the season two premiere. And so I, I taped it, and, uh, you know, she watched the season two premiere, and she was like, wow. She goes, she goes, I don't usually like, you know, the shows that you like. She goes, that's pretty dang, you know, interesting and good, you know. And I mean, for her to like it, that that's saying something. Yeah, I, I hate it. It's very good as far as, uh, you know, uh, what's the guy's name? Oh, uh, uh, hell, what's the, the, the captain's? Oh, Sinko. What do y'all think about Captain Sinko? <laughs> to me, I feel like I'm listening to the Queen talk when they talk. <laughs> 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 oh, I mean, he's a mean bastard, but man. <laughs> yeah. He reminds me of yeah, the, the, uh, Monty Python when they would when they would do their female impersonations. You know, you know, Mike, I didn't vote for you. <laughs> yeah, he, you're right. He, he's a mean. He's a mean bastard with the most feminine voice, man. They could put on a dress. <laughs> As a matter of fact, they ought to let him. You know, whenever they do their little plays or whatever, uh, they ought right. to let him play the queen. You know. That's hysterical. But now it's uh, then what's her name? Mary, what's the the bar? Uh, Well, the barkeep, uh, the tavern owner. Uh, but because uh, Simcoe keeps trying, of course, get to get her, and, and of course she went with, uh, you know, she fixed his goat. She went with the other guy who's got a, a, a fix on her, and of course he's a he's a British gentleman, and she's safe with him. So, but anyway, like it's 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 a good show. I, I mean, I can't wait for it to come on Monday. It's like since. Uh, Walking Dead's gone off, and then uh, Mad Men never really got into Mad Men. That we started watching it on a weekend, it was okay. I mean, you know, but never really got into the whole Mad Men thing. You know, and then there's some other shows on AMC never really got into that much. That the you know, but I think Mad Men was probably one of the more popular. Ones uh, other than The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead is one where they really got uh, uh, popular. I wouldn't say as far as uh, 
you know, recognized in Hollywood and winning awards. Madman has, but uh, not The Walking Dead. Walking Dead has been more popular uh, in terms of fan base. I mean, you know, everybody I know watches The Walking Dead. What's funny now is is that Glenn Beck is called up now current with Walking Dead. He hadn't watched it for the last three or four years, and he's binged and finally caught up uh, current. So, you know, he's through with this season. And uh, what's funny now, his uh, compadre, Pat, has started watching it. He's hooked on it. And it's funny how these people, you know, uh, folks who... uh, you wouldn't think would like it. They start watching it. You know, of course, Beck said he was taking notes <laughs> about how how to survive or how might one encounter or how might one handle a situation in which you may run into someone else with <laughs> this particular weapon, you know. Because there are some pretty ingenious things that they do in that show. If uh, you you had to be off the grid and you had to do something that was uh, somewhat, you know, something out of the ordinary that you wouldn't normally do, uh, sometimes they'll they'll come up and say, that's a damn good idea. I would have never thought about that, you know. So it, it's it's a good show, very good show in that respect. But uh, yeah, I can't wait till the the next season comes on. <laughs> I'm not but sure when. I have no idea. I don't even remember what our topic is for the night. <laughs> well, it, well, that's part. This is part of the topic. Is that I'm so yeah, it kind yeah, it, it, it kind of uh, intertwined itself into into our discussion. And uh, I like that title that you chose for the show, you know. Uh, yeah, well, a, yeah. A more, a more warnings. I mean, we that, – and that is so weird that you picked that title. You know, I think you and I are just brothers from another mother, you know, because I was thinking the same thing. You know, our show has basically been here to warn people. And I'm kind of at a crossroads here. I'm like, well, man, damn, me and Mike have been doing this for four years now or almost four years you you started it before that, and I'm like, man, we put out every warning possible, and yeah, now people can see. You know, I think there are people's eyes have you know opened up a little bit when ISIS actually tried to kill somebody here in Texas. And uh, yeah, it's where 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 do we where are we going now? You know, we we put the warnings out, and some people listened, some people didn't. The people that didn't, uh, I don't know, maybe you got one more little small percentage of a chance to come around. Um but I well, highly doubt you know. Well what what I'm doing now, I am you know, I, I will always be watching, you know, always be you, know, you always have the eyes in the back of your head that will be watching. I mean but as far as uh, going backwards from the beginning and trying to explain it to someone, I, I can't do it because we've gone too far. You know, right. you know what I mean. Yeah, I do. And, yeah. Uh, I can't 
bring anyone up to speed to where they need to be. I I can only tell you where, where you know sources you may can go to to find out what you need to know to get where you need to be now. But I can never get you where you need to be personally, and because uh, we we've gone through so much over the years, and I I can vouch for me personally, this is taking so much wind out of my sails. I mean, over the years doing this stuff, and uh, matter of fact, speaking of which, uh, my wife and I just got back from vacation last week. Uh, Went to the Golden Isles of Georgia. Never been. You ought to go. You'd love it. Uh, uh, three major islands right there off the coast of Georgia. You know, right. You got Jekyll, of course, where they created the, uh, you know, Federal Reserve. That's where we went. <laughs> Don't ask me why. <laughs> real no real romantic uh, walk in the park there. <laughs> yeah, hey honey, let's why don't we go into the Federal Reserve room and just sit here and pretend like uh, you know like those those shysters were back in nineteen eighteen, nineteen thirteen, whatever it was. But uh no, we we spent uh we spent our uh actually stayed on Jekyll, which Jekyll is there there's nobody on Jekyll out it's kinda of like uh maybe 300 residents on the island, period. The rest of it, you know, it's just a part owned by the state of Georgia. Uh, stayed on on the beach, pretty much, as far as the, our hotel room was on the Atlantic. Uh, and, you know, let's see. Then there's uh, St. Simon. St. Simon is very pretty, too, but it's this guy's busy. I don't know what's going on with St. Simon. Man, it used to not be that busy. It's having all that, you know, traffic and all kind of taken away from it. You know, you'd rather have these hideaways where it's just enough people, but it doesn't take away from, you know. In other words, the big tourist attraction here for kids is uh, is, is Pensacola, Panama City, and you know, those are the destinations for the kids' spring break around here. You know, and maybe there too, they may come from there to Panama City. I mean, Panama City's gotten real big. As matter of fact, they're been on Fox pretty much all um, all spring break long about how bad it was. You know, and I can only imagine because. Uh, you know, we weren't. We didn't act that way. Of course, we were very respectful as teens, even as drunks. I mean, <laughs> and we talked about that. You know how different it was back then. But uh, you know, it's uh, it was very nice. And we got back uh, Thursday evening, and I said, "Man, there ain't gonna be no show tonight." Because uh, after it, it takes, it's a six-hour drive, and I get on the road, I'm, and I like to drive solid. I don't like, you know, don't like to stop other than stop to get gas. You know, I may stop and get a burger, but usually eat in the car and then get back on the road again. Uh, which, 
you know, biggest trip like that was going to Illinois. Now, that was a 12-hour drive solid, and I'll never do that again. That liked to kill me. But, uh, no, we had a good time. It was very pretty and joyful. My, my wife, she felt, you know, rejuvenated somewhat again. So she wants to go back. She's ready to go back tomorrow. But, uh, you know, next time maybe go back to St. Simon's. Anyway, Jekyll's pretty. Even if he decided to stay at Jekyll where, you know, hell on earth uh, was created, uh, Jekyll's a fine place to go. You know, a lot of things to do. And particularly if you like hiking and uh, and fishing, if you like fishing, best place for you and your wife to go would be Cumberland Island. Yeah, that's uh, see, that's where I've been. I'm like you. I've you know I've gotten so just. I mean, it, after doing this for so long, it just takes something out of you, you know. And I've really you know kind of gotten my love for fishing back again, and that's that's what I do. You know, it's uh, just to kind of get away, you know, once a week. Um, what's weird is I take my fishing just like I do my politics. It's, it's I've always been a, a saltwater fisherman. And so to learn the fre- there's mostly freshwater here in San Antonio. And so I go in and I'm researching freshwater fishing just like I do news articles for this show, you know. And, well, uh, I kind of, it's, but... Moving right along, you know, it's uh, getting me some catfish, getting me some rainbow trout, and uh, my next big venture is going to be sharks, which is going to be, I mean, I've always saltwater fish, but I've never targeted sharks, but June 27th, we're taking a trip down there, and I've got a guy that's going to help me out, you know, as far as teaching me the ropes and everything, so that's another little adventure I'm going on. <laughs> yeah, we're going, where's this at, Galveston, here on Galveston? Uh, no, we're going down in the uh, North Padre Island, Corpus Christi area. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that ought to be interesting. I mean, you know, that, uh, that I don't, I think there's, what is it, pin shark or what, some small tiger shark or something to go after? Uh, it's, it's the, it's, the it's, black tip, mainly. I mean, there's all yeah. kinds of black tip is the one that's, you know, caught most of the, mostly down there. Well, the one that's the most tastiest to, to eat. Oh, okay. But uh, now I saw your your last uh, catch on uh, you posted on Facebook, and <laughs> I sit there. I'll look over, flip over Facebook. Bless her heart, and Joanne's just still going at it. I, and I yeah. just I can't do it anymore. I'm just sit over there and say, you know, God bless you, Joanne. I, you know, I just. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Be tough, man. Yeah, I'll, I'll sit there and watch, but I just don't, you know, it's just like, uh, what uh, what am I going to do? It's like, it's just like I said, everything we've done, we've done. It's just, and I, I can't post anything anymore. To, you know, it's just going to be, who am I talking to? You know, uh, pretty much it's the choir. That's it. You know, the congregation, well, it's like, uh, you know, I guess it's kind of like at a church. If you're a pastor at a church and the same people keep coming every week after week after week after week, you're not doing your job. 
You know, you you need to bring in some fresh parishioners or whatever. <laughs> you you need to go out and grab some folks on the street and pull them in, you know. But uh, it's uh, I don't know. I, I just been it's just been nice, just you know, getting out of it for a while, and maybe yeah. I you know until something really happens. Uh, well, if it fires back up, something happens. I'm sure I'll get back into at least trying to to be informative uh, as far as what's going on. Of course, uh, you got well, y'all got y'all had some bad weather out your way, hadn't you? Uh, not not this week. We haven't. We had some stuff come through. When was I think that was last week? It was pretty crazy. You know, you had some real. You know. Getting woke up at five thirty in the morning from the from the thunder uh, got got pretty well uh, crazy, but as for no tornadoes here in San Antonio, uh, they had a couple of watches, but there's some areas of Texas and uh, Oklahoma just got hit again. Uh, so yeah, the, yeah, that weather well, uh, know, just kept uh, on coming. Man. It just kept coming, and uh, it was well, going I know. From, uh, west to east. Usually, yeah. Usually, when y'all get it, it's coming our way too. You know, yeah, right. this last system that came through your area, I think, got in. Uh, and when it got to Mississippi, yeah, I think it did some damage. But it blew through Alabama. We were in Georgia at the time, and they came through Georgia, and uh, we were supposed to get some of it, but thankfully, it missed us, and so you know, we were okay. Uh, but hey, it's still this spring's still early, and I know living in the southeast in the springtime, you you never know what to expect in terms of weather. We're the same way in Texas, you know. As as the seasons change, which I don't know, I'm sure it's the same way in Texas as it is here. In Texas, you don't go from, uh, you know spring to summer, you go from uh, pretty much winter to summer. <laughs> yeah, we've, kinda like it we've, we've, we've had a little more of a spring this year, though. Uh, it's I mean, everything's real green here in San Antonio, which is just a yearly thing. I mean, one year, it, it just goes, like you said, from winter to it just stops raining, gets real hot, and the grass turns brown, you know, all over the city and everything, the trees... You know their their leaves are are brown, but man, you drive around the city now, and it's just it's as green as can be. It's beautiful, uh, but we've gotten quite a bit of rainfall, you know this this spring. So. Yeah, what what's the high that it's gotten up to in San Antonio? I mean, in terms of temperature, I don't think it's hit the nineties yet in the in the uh, mid to high eighties so far. Well, I mean, but I'm right talking about now, man, past. the humidity is is crazy right now. Yesterday was great. Day before was great. Uh, you know, as far as temperature-wise, man, I walked out this morning and it was just that humidity hit me. I felt like I was, I was back in in uh, the Beaumont border of the Texas area, which is real close to the coast. You know, you get that high humidity, but it, it's supposed to stay like this for a while. Oh God, you know, I know um, down in Florida, you know, I I could not imagine being around the Florida Keys, but just on the Gulf Coast. In the summertime, 
and I mean temperatures about you know probably with uh, you know with uh, what they call heat index is about 110. You get yeah. out on that white sand, it's probably about 120 with the sun reflecting off that sand, and then the water about probably add another five degrees to it. I mean, it's it damn near boiling. I'm talking about just yeah. absolutely miserable. You know, you could sit there and drink. Well, that's why most people never get drunk down in Florida because they, <laughs> they, they constantly. <laughs> well, if you're drinking beer, you never get drunk on beer in Florida. I mean, never. You know, you it'll be it'll be out of you as soon as you drink it. You know, one way or the other, it's it's gone. Now, on the other hand, you drink whiskey. Well, at night it could get cold, but uh, that is if if you're on the beach, and you, you know, and you catch the cool breeze, and it can get nice at night. But man. Usually in summertime, it is. It is. I mean, God, it's miserable. Uh, I, I've got to be an old man. Used to be, I loved it, but not anymore. You know, the fishing that was probably different. You know, as far as going on on a uh, party fishing boat or going charter fishing, that's probably different. Because I'd be at least be shielded to some degree, but uh, there's one thing. uh, I I did the charter thing one time. That was when I was living in Houston. We, I was working with a uh, company that we sold carpet to apartments all over the city of Houston, and uh, we took the all the installers out on a one day fishing trip about forty miles out. We were red snapper fishing. I'm gonna tell you what. You talk about exhaustion. I mean, you get out there in, in those those big waves and on that big on that boat, and it's work. It's not, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, I got home that night. Well, really, I think I got home at three o'clock in the morning. You know, after you know getting in and then uh, you know waiting for the fish to be clean. The captains do all that stuff for you. And man, it was it was real late when I got back. And I remember I went to, straight to the shower, and I was having to put my hand on the wall because I was, I felt like I was still going back and forth on the boat. <laughs> oh, yeah. You talk, I, you I talk about exactly tired, man. That'll, that'll tire you out. I know, uh, you know the the Gulf isn't generally known. I mean, yeah, you'll have some rough water, but uh, I know uh, the roughest waters that I, I know has been out uh now we haven't ever gone out in the Bering Sea, but we were out in uh, what ocean was that? It's 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 in Alaska. It's not the Bering Sea, but it's one of the other ones. And I mean, it it tosses you around pretty good. I mean, if you with this was on a cruise ship too, and you could fill yourself even with uh, all the stabilizers and everything they have on that. I mean, you could fill yourself rocking. And and my wife, she she gets anybody gets seasick. She gets seasick now. She she can't handle uh, the the top topsy turvy the waves 
the real cutty, you know, we up and down, up and down. You know, I'm talking about five foot, six foot, seven foot swells, maybe. Uh, yeah. But especially when it's choppy, I mean, and when you get out out behind the fjords like in Alaska, it's, I mean, it's known for that. It's kind of like being on a miniature Bering Sea. Uh, but, uh, you know hey, what, if I could, I'd fun, go. Man? Talking about all this fishing. Yeah, I'll tell you what's, what's ironic, in my opinion, is, you know, they're, the left is always talking about how we want dirt, the conservatives want dirty water, and they don't care about the environment. I'll tell you what, man. I mean, because I've gotten into, I'm probably on at least, at least six fishing groups on Facebook that are, you know, that I'm, I'm constantly paying attention to. And it seems like most of the fishermen are conservative. And I'm going to tell you right now, you talk about some people who are very serious about, you know, if they see somebody who's who's uh, breaking the law as far as keeping too many fish or throwing their trash into the water, I tell you, they'll call the game warden in a heartbeat, you know. Uh, so to say that conservatives don't care about the environment and they don't care about animals and wildlife and keeping everything clean, that's a bunch of bull crap. I mean, I've known that pretty much my whole life. Uh, but it's just, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing how that's a very important part of, of, uh, these people's lives, you know, is to preserve and keep clean, you know, the oceans and the rivers and lakes and all that good stuff. Well, I'll say that, that, that comes to the difference between conservatives and liberals is that conservatives usually take time to notice what the law is and what the law isn't and they abide to the law. Uh, liberals, on the other hand, usually, you know, could care less about what the laws are and would just assume break them than to acknowledge they even exist. You know, it's like a liberal couldn't even tell you if that liberal, same liberal was out there on the waters doing, you know, what uh, conservative fishermen are doing, they couldn't tell you what limits there are, what, you know, anything that the conservative fishermen, you know, could, because they, you know, they're responsible. And I think that's where we get down to the difference. The, the nitty gritty is responsible and taking responsibility. And, that's probably the difference, if there's any difference that can be uh, shaking out between the two sides, uh, conservative versus liberal, is one side takes responsibility for its actions. The other side usually is going to blame something or someone else for its actions. It's True. never responsible for anything that it does. It's usually, you know, it's because they've uh, they they've lived, you know, they lived under oppression by the white man or <laughs> you know, that's what seems to be the narr narrative now. We've lived under oppression of the white man. Um uh, and it's like uh, 
my my great great granddaddy was uh, a slave. And I said, okay, who was your father? I don't know. Well, then how do you know what your great great granddaddy was if he was a slave or not? Because we talking about on my auntie's side. Yeah. And I tell you, man, it you know, <clears throat> as far as you know, I'm you know I'm here in San Antonio, so we have a lot of Hispanics, and, and it makes it gets, it gets me so irritated whenever I see the Hillary Clintons and the and the Barack Obamas and the Al Sharptons, and you know, and they start talking. It's like they they put these Hispanics in a box as far as to what their beliefs are. And I'm gonna tell you right now, I mean, those the people that I'm talking about as far as following the rules, taking everything seriously. I mean, 90% are Hispanic. And I've been I've been telling people that on Twitter and Facebook, and these people up north don't even understand what I'm talking about. I'm saying, hey, man, these Hispanics here in Texas, they are not – quit putting them in a box. They're not all Democrats. They're not all liberals. Some of them, I mean, or, or a lot of them are very hardworking, conservative principles, family-oriented, just all-around great people. You know, yeah, they yeah. are. I I work. I'm like you. I work with Hispanics back when I worked at Ream uh, Water Heaters years ago, and you know we had a plant in Mexicali, we had a plant in New Laredo, and I tell you, they, you know, they were fine people. Uh, as fine of people as I have ever worked with and yep. had the opportunity to meet them personally. You know, they were just as cordial and respectable and respectful as, I mean, where, you know, ethnicity wasn't a big deal. You know, they were Hispanic. It didn't make a difference to me. I mean... And same way with black, you know. Hey, if color never comes up as a topic, then it is rarely ever discussed. You know what I mean? And it never came up really as a topic until the last six years ago. And now it's the subject you can't get away from. And I wish blacks would think for a moment. You know, six years ago, how many times did this discussion of white, black, the narrative, how many times did it come up? You know, as a matter of fact, Al Sharpton didn't have a penny six years ago. He was damn near, well, he was more broke, didn't know taxes because he didn't make no money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but now... <laughs> In the last six years, he's making money hand over fist, and he owes all kind of taxes <laughs> that he had paid. I mean, and he ain't never going to pay them either. That's the difference between uh-huh. you and him is he ain't going to pay them. You're going to pay them. Yeah. But anyway, bro, let's go ahead and cut it early tonight. And, uh, all right. Good to talk to you. We'll try to get the thing going along a little bit better next week. So we'll come up with something to talk about. And, uh, you know, of course, it's kind of been nice just told bullshit. 
But anyway, yeah. uh, we'll catch you then. Uh, if you go fishing or anything, let me know. Uh, catch anything good, especially when you go out with those black tips. Ship them. Ship me some of them this way. Tell me what I need yeah, to that's, clean them. That's, that's going to be uh, June June twenty seventh, and we're going to take we're going to head down uh, for about a week. You know, down to the coast and everything, and and uh, what I'm gonna like I said, I've never specifically targeted them, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Because I've eaten that shark too, and I'm tell you what, man, it is out of this world good. I'll never yeah, forget. I, well, I, I was in college at Lamar University, and there was this one. There was a little bar right there by campus. During the day, it was kind of a biker bar. At night, it was more of a college bar. Well, we got out of class around noon, and you know, back then, you know, you're 20 years old. You're like, hey, let's go, let's go have some beers, you know. And uh, so, me and three of my buddies went to this little hole in the wall bar, and we were pretty much the only ones in there, you know, around noon, and. Uh, we started drinking, and then these two bikers come in, and they had two big old bowls, stainless steel with tinfoil. And they said, hey, guys, uh, we've got a bunch of fish here. We've got croaker. We've got trout, redfish, and we've got shark. And y'all are more than welcome to have as much as you want. And, uh, man, I took a bite because I never had it. I said, which one is a shark? I've never had it before. Man, I bit into that thing, and, oh, man, it was just so damn. He had, he had it fried. He had it blackened. And it, it was just out of this world good. And I I cannot wait to catch one and, and fillet that sucker up into some steaks. And I guess I'm going to have to get some dry ice and melt some to you. Put it in the, like a, yeah, uh, with now, the Omaha steak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, with, like it, now with uh, shark is nothing but white, right? It doesn't taste fishy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have to, you have Evidently, the key to preparing it is when after you catch it, you need to bleed the tail. It's it's it does have some mercury in it, but if you cut the tail yeah. whenever you catch it, then it'll it'll go on out. But uh, man, oh, I was hooked I on the taste of it. You know, back then I just I can't wait to catch one myself. Well, that's I'm that's like it. halibut up. That's like halibut up in Alaska, man. It's, I mean. The the if you ever seen them fish halibut when they pull it up they have to hit it in the head with a with a ball bat. That, I, I, matter of fact, I watched that on what was the name of that show? Was it? I don't yeah, Sarah Palin. I don't yeah. know. I was watching okay. it. It came up on. I was Ron had already gone to bed. It was last, not this past Sunday, but the one before. And I'm just flipping channels and I saw it was a fishing show and and. Uh, they were talking, they were showing those how they're like overgrown or supersized flounder is what they look like. Yeah. Yeah. One, one dude Quiet. got, he got mm-hmm. one dude got killed because he pulled it. He was fishing by himself and the, the, uh, halibut flipped its tail, broke his legs and the guy couldn't, he, he ended up shoot. I think he had a gun. He was able to get to his gun and shoot the halibut and kill him. And then, but he bled to death. Somehow, whenever the halibut hit him, he just started bleeding. Uh, but yeah, that, that, those things ain't no joke, man. That's crazy. No, I, you have to uh, when you pull them up. You, I mean, you have to hook them, and then you put them in basically a compartment in where your legs are protected, and then you take a club, and I mean, you you hit them, you know, on the, on the head with a club, basically killing them. And, uh, you know, for that reasoning, because I'm talking about uh, 
you're talking 150, 200 pound fish potentially. I mean, they're huge. Uh, Homer, Homer, Alaska is the halibut capital of the world. And uh, if you ever see any fishing shows about it, it's very interesting. Matter matter of fact, uh, Sarah Palin on her series, they did some halibut fishing. You may can catch it on uh, Netflix or one of those shows, but uh, it's it's interesting to watch them fish halibut, simply, you know, how they have to take great care of and just like what you're saying, and not get close to that to the fish, because I mean, like you said, they they could put a whooping on you. I mean, well, they, yeah, they were in Alaska well, before they were, because yeah, they had some well, unsolved mysteries of fishermen coming up dead, you know, and and he ended up finding some mm-hmm. some sort of a I can't remember the exact name of the shark, but there were some sharks out there in Alaska too, and uh, he thought that maybe they got you know. Fierce and ferocious, but he got to eat. This this guy's crazy, but he got down there in the water in a scuba diving deal, and that, those sharks didn't care about him. They they were just chasing the bait fish, you know, could care less. So he knew it wasn't the shark, but he was saying, "Man, maybe it's these halibut where these these guys just don't understand what they're dealing with, and they they try to pull them up by themselves, and next thing you know, they've disappeared. You know, it's crazy." Oh yeah, well I mean if a halibut. Between you and a halibut, I mean, if you ain't careful, that halibut's going to pull you in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bro. It's always right. this, this has been a fun show. And, uh, yeah, it sure is. And we'll see you we'll next week, man. Next week. Okay, brother. Sounds good. Take All care. Right. All right, bye-bye. Good night. Good night.